You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shiny. You mean shiny. Shh. When I get sued, it's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him. That's him. That's Cujo. That's Cujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something something. Oh, crazy! Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by, usually hosted by two lifelong constant readers. Uh, we do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsession. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod. And follow us on Twitter and every other level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. And if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of obsessiveviewer.com's various podcasts. And uh, just as a little teaser... Um, I am planning a super crazy ambitious um, uh, project for Patreon for the $2 level starting in January. So if all goes as planned, I'll have a weekly thing on Patreon <laughs> for the $2 patrons. That is insane and going to drive me crazy. But yeah, check that out at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Um, okay. So I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and joining me today for a very special episode is the host of a podcast that is a wonderful exploration of King's work through a literary analysis lens and a deep dive into what makes him one of, if not the best storytellers of our time. It's a podcast that has personally enriched my reading of King and will surely do the same for you. Please give a warm welcome uh, to the endlessly delightful host of the Year of Underrated Stephen King podcast, Kim C. Hi, Kim. Hi, how's it going? It's going well. It's going very well. Um, yeah, I'm excited to to have you on the show. Um, after after you were so kind to uh, to have your show slum it with having me on <laughs> i had such a blast oh, and yeah. uh yeah i'm back for part two to hang out yes. with matt and have more fun yes oh yeah thank you so much for for uh being here and yeah yes listeners this is part two of this so you are required to go check out the year of underrated stephen king and check out that episode and then come back here so you're not lost in like like plot threads and everything that were established in that episode um so please please go check out kim's podcast um so yeah so welcome to tower junkies uh yeah, I, yeah I, i'm yeah. so excited I, i'm super here. excited too thank you yes oh yeah you're very welcome and and uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, this is actually uh, several, um, there are several like special elements to this episode because this is a different type of episode than we usually do on Tower Junkies because usually it's just me and Tiny just um, uh, awkwardly talking about our love of Stephen King. And I'm, it, it's funny. And pizza roll. And pizza roll. Yes. Pizza roll is an <laughs> integral part of of the project and the podcasts and everything. Uh, she is my editor. She's my, <laughs> uh, 
uh yeah she's she's yeah i i tweeted um because in this episode we're going to be talking about lt's theory of pets and uh all that you love will be carried away both from the everything's eventual short story collection and that's one of the reasons why this is a special episode because we don't really have guests on the show, but I want to branch out and get more guests in the Stephen King, specifically the Stephen King podcast podcaster community. And uh, and so you're kind of the first of this kind of quartet uh, type of episode where I'm going to have other uh, Stephen King podcasters, hopefully down the road um, on the show. So, yeah, you're you're breaking ground on uh, a new endeavor for Tower Junkies. <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited. Like, I have such a huge smile right now, like a crazy, (laughs) crazy, crazy wide grin. um, Because I'm so, this place rules. I love Tower Junkies. I'm a huge fan. And so to be with Matt yet again Mm -hmm. on a brand new endeavor is is too much for my little bunny heart. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Nice. Well, yes, I'm super excited to have you here as well. So... Um, oh, there was something I was going to say, but I forgot. So, oh, well. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so, so this is exciting, uh, for those reasons and everything. So, um, Kim, for those of us who, who don't know about the year of underrated Stephen King, which everyone listening should, because I've, I've been very, uh, I, I reference it all the time. <laughs> and uh, Oh, that's what I was going to say. Um, I, I tweeted today that uh, just I, I tweeted, I will not I will not derail the podcast uh, discussion of LT's theory of pets by bringing up uh, by by telling stories about my cat. I will not derail <laughs> the podcast with this. <laughs> um, but, I will honor yeah. that code. I'll leave nice. my two babies out of it as well, but maybe we can have a little slice at the end to oh, honor yes. our own for babies. Oh, make no mistake. We are going to be talking about uh, our our pets um, throughout this episode. I I am not going to adhere to my own rule. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so before we get into the actual short stories and everything, like I said, we're going to be doing uh, LT's Theory of Pets and All That You Love Will Be Carried Away. And that's kind of the idea behind um, what I'm hoping will be a series of episodes, um, is that we will basically have guests on uh, who will talk about uh, specific short short fiction from King. So probably two short stories or one novella, however it shakes out. Um, so I'm super excited for you to have picked these two just excellent stories. Um, I'm super excited oh my God. to chat with you about it. Oh my God, they're so yes. badass. I'm so glad they oh, were on yeah. your list. And I yes. felt so honored to snatch them up because... <laughs> These are phenomenal, and I can't wait to talk about them and nerd out with your listeners. Nice. Same here. But first, we have business to attend to. We have to (laughs) talk about the year of underrated Stephen King and how you got started and and, uh, like how you found King, all the the good stuff. Um, So I don't know where I'm going to direct my first question. (laughs) Um, because I am so much less prepared than you were for my episode <laughs> of your show. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. As, as a teacher, I'm kind of forced. Sure. Preparation is just there all the time. So and, no worries. And I think that that really comes through with, with your show because it's so like, like we were talking before recording, I, I have my own one person podcast and like, it's, 
it's a lot. <laughs> like it's a lot of work and everything. And it's just, I mean, it really shows through in your show. So, um, yeah. So I, I just, I, I love the show so much. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> yep. So how did you get started? Like, um, I know that your first like reading of King was the novella 1922, right? Um, <gasps> Correct. Yes. Well done, sir. Yes. Um, so how did you, I, what I, what I kind of find myself wanting to know is how, how did you get to the point where you, where you chose that one, where you picked that one and um, what's your, like, how'd you, how'd you come to King um, as a reader and as a viewer even? Um, yeah. <gasps> Okay. Uh, well, once upon a time, to put it succinctly, this will be a, a good little little tale. Um, so I'm a child of the 80s, and my father was a King fan, and he had a lot of King books all over our house, so I kind of grew up seeing them. But strangely enough, I just I wasn't interested in horror. I mm-hmm. think I was more interested in romance. Okay. So, yeah, I was one of those gals who was like, I want to read about people doing it rather than like, <laughs> rather sure. than and, um, horror. Um, so after, you know, the bumpy road of undergrad, I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to get my MFA for grad school. Mm-hmm. And so once you start a grad program, it's all uh, incredibly dense literary fiction, classic Ooh. authors, American lit, Brit lit, plays. You're just like, oh my God. Wow. But that's like the only diet you have. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of all you know, and you get a little snobby and you kind of turn, <laughs> you kind of turn your nose up a little bit. Not everybody, but some of us. Sure. Um, some of us who had, you know, way too many theory classes and too much wine, you just <laughs> you just turn your nose up at pop popular authors and popular fiction, even though I'd never read King. Mm-hmm. So I had actually bought f- Full Dark No Stars as a present for my dad because he loved, oh, I mean, nice. who doesn't love, who doesn't love a King book at Christmas, oh, right? absolutely. Like it's, it's the best Christmas present ever. And oh, so yeah. my dad... He always loved Stephen King's short stories. He loves them. Nice. And he always taught me to appreciate like short fiction. And so I bought Full Dark No Stars for my father as a Christmas mm-hmm. present. Probably the year it was released around 2012, 2013, I think. Okay. And so um, it was in his office. He had read it. He had liked it. And I was just randomly up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, waiting on, uh, I think it was my mom. And we were going to go to lunch. And I was fresh from grad school. I had the brain scramblies of like, what do I do now without school? I don't want to grow up. I don't want to leave <laughs> academia. I don't want to be a real boy. Right. And <laughs> so I wanted something to read, but I was like, Ugh, Stephen King, boo. <laughs> you know, because I was like, I don't want to read a popular author, just right. like a snob, <laughs> just like a total snob. And then I was like, well, this cover's cool. Let's, let's do it. And so nice. I grabbed it. And 1922, of course, opens that novella collection. And mm-hmm. within the first, like, I want to say three to four pages, I think yeah. what came out of my mouth, pardon the expletive, was mm-hmm. like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, who is this man? Just the captivating, enthralling 
powerful introduction of like Wilmer and this farm and this spooky gothic vibe of the cornfield. And I was like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) And um, I devoured it in like two days. And then Mm -hmm. I, it just was like a door flew open in my heart. And I went to my dad and I was like, dad, did you know? Did you know he was this great? Did you know? And he kind of just looked at me and nodded silently. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, nobody could tell you, though. You're Miss Grad School. And I was like, I'm a fool. I'm a fool for shame. Nice. How, why didn't anyone tell me? Why didn't anyone come up to me on the street and just shove this book in my face? <laughs> so since 2013, um, I... That was after I finished Full Dark No Stars. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, where do I even begin? Where do I yeah. even go? What do I do? And so yep. I just decided to go for it and uh, nice. started my King journey. I think Pet Cemetery was the next one, which, Oof. whoa. Yep. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh God. Um, and then I started to kind of get back on track a little bit to what I knew, mm-hmm. which was short fiction. And so uh-huh. I started digesting some of the uh, short story collections and hopscotching around until within the last couple of years, I was like reading about three to four King books a year, mm-hmm. love and life, and trying to nice. preach this guy's message, right? I was mm-hmm. trying to talk to all my grad school friends mm-hmm. And they would say, oh, what are you reading? And they would list some obscure author or some, like, depressed alcoholic from Mm -hmm. the Iowa Writers Workshop. And I was like, but have you read Stephen King? Like, Mm -hmm. have you read this title? And they're like, Kim, are you serious right now? Like, (laughs) stop. What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Stephen King, really? And I was like, you don't understand. (laughs) And so... (laughs) So then, you know, thankfully we have all these amazing Stephen King podcasts out there to kind Mm -hmm. of like nurture us and nourish our fandom and and these novels that are amazing. And so I was enjoying a few and I was like, you know what, I'm really wishing that I could could nerd out Mm -hmm. like I would in school about Stephen King because I feel Stephen King doesn't get the academic treatment he needs because Mm -hmm. everyone... Uh, marginalizes him mm-hmm. and throws him in the bucket with genre fiction and genre fiction yes. doesn't have merit it's just mm-hmm. popcorn junk food for people to easily digest and there's no nutrition to it and i was like what the hell no <laughs> like, like am i in crazy world mm-hmm. um, i am but no and so uh, a kind of idea was born where i was like you know what there's so much gold in this man's writing. He is objectively mm-hmm. great. He is objectively great. He is one of the most rewarding storytellers I've ever plugged in with. I cannot be silent anymore. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? Let's just take a crack at it. Let's take nice. all the gold that I've been amassing um, in my life um, <laughs> with these underrated works and let's do it. And so the year of underrated 
Thing was born last nice. year during COVID lockdown. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was just now or never. Mm-hmm. Walk the plank. Let's do it. And nice. um, I've I've met a lot of amazing people like mm-hmm. yourself uh, who are you. so kind and generous and incredibly knowledgeable. And man, they have treasure troves of king stuff, and they love the stories just as much as I do and it has been an absolute blast so yeah, yeah. that's been the last seven or eight years and uh <laughs> nice. and my journey of king so there you go that's that little cupcake for you that's awesome and uh and yeah it, it's it's really it it is such a great community of just fans of Stephen King um like there are I mean just it, it's just it is he, I, I hesitate to say that he's a he's a he's a writer without, like he's not like an edgy personality or anything. Like you see Stephen King in like interviews and stuff, and like he's just this very very pleasant man. <laughs> and then his work is just for me. It's like kind of it it defines this kind of middle America working class person uh, that he that he imbues into his stories so frequently and so so greatly that like to to dismiss him as like oh he's just a genre writer he's just he's just the horror guy is uh is definitely definitely uh inaccurate (laughs) oh my god right and it's just heartbreaking that like there are so many closed hearts and minds because he's been typecast as Mm -hmm. when whereas we the constant readers have Mm -hmm. like read these amazing like life-changing stories like yes. the body like mm-hmm. like it uh like some of these short oh, yeah. fiction like the man in the black suit yes. and oh, 1922 yeah. and just these these stories that'll be with us forever and have completely like you you think about them to this day and you oh, yeah. haven't read it for you've read it six years ago like wild crazy stuff and it's like okay how how is it that mm-hmm. he can just be dismissed by the literary community yeah and, and i'm like no i will um <laughs> i will preach this message yes. to anyone who will listen and i don't care <laughs> if i'm stoned in the street this is the hill i will die on nice. i will die <laughs> um <laughs> preaching the perfection of Stephen King and his incredible masterful hand at fiction and that he we should be studying him in schools and we should mm-hmm. be studying him at the graduate level um definitely the undergraduate level and mm-hmm. that's what I guess my ultimate uh goal is is like <laughs> I want uh more academics out there nerding out to King just like me and just like all of us. Yes. Oh, that is the dream. It it's something that uh, I was talking to my friend Mike, who's uh, I, I told you off mic. Um, he is a uh, sophomore high school teacher. Um, he he is a teacher who teaches sophomore English. He's not a sophomore teaching high. School. Anyway, um, bless him. That's a that's a that's tenth grade. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, <laughs> and I mean, I like I have the utmost respect for him because I mean, he is like he's one of the. He's one of the he he's such a positive guy and he has such a such a good heart that I mean I like I I I always just kind of 
whenever he and I talk and we're able to do a podcast, it turns into just this love fest. Like, oh, oh man, you're so great, and I'm glad your kids are doing well and everything. And then, um, and then he begrudgingly compliments my cat but um (laughs) he's not a fan of cats i should say but yeah but anyway i was asking him about his teaching and everything and how like how the curriculum is laid out and all that and then i just like i very uh i very playfully said so said oh so you're not teaching any stephen king and knowing that it's you know sophomores in high in a public high school in a uh in a, in a pretty rural, um, Indiana town. (laughs) And he's like, no, but I would love to. And I've seen kids like walking around, like, especially when it came out, he saw a lot of kids with, with a copy of it, just walking around the halls and like, he'd stop and talk to them about it and everything. So, um, it's, it's always good to have, uh, an educator, uh, preaching the word of King. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. And I, I agree. And like, mm-hmm. I, I've even thought about it. Like we, we could plug in so many different books into a curriculum, like the yeah. long walk, the mm-hmm. dead zone. Like these yes. are all novels that if we sliced and diced them correctly, mm-hmm. we could, we could teach some kids. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, speaking of slicing and dicing, that is a weird transition. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Your show, uh, you recently did uh, what you dubbed the TK Edit, which I listened to that today. And, oh, it is... I, not to not to um, put more stuff on your plate, but I I kind of hope that you do more like King edit episodes like that, um, because for the for the listener, you listen or you you read the Tommy Knockers, which is I survived yeah. Tommy Knockers. Yes. I survived. <laughs> Just exactly. Oh no, I am right there with you. Yeah. So um, we. Uh, so, so you, you read it, you reviewed it, and then you, uh, edited it down into, this is, this is kind of the power of, of this type of podcast and, and especially your insight as well, um, that I was listening to your TK edit episode, which is you kind of pitching how you would rework the Tommyknockers, um, into a more, uh, coherent interesting story and like while i'm listening to you talk about it i'm just like you know maybe i should give the tommy knockers another shot totally i'm yeah. so glad i read it but dang is that yes. a mess of a book my oh, yeah. goodness that is just like oh so but yeah mm-hmm. oh thank you one for listening oh, yeah. but also yes i think i think it's a good idea you've pitched i think mm-hmm. more edit episodes will be uh uh, down the pipe because nice. it's such a cool thing to look at King and kind of, especially the the ones that aren't aging as well, <laughs> like right. some of the older King novels that maybe not aren't as woke as yep. uh, it should be in <laughs> yeah. 2021. But um, about it's something I do with my students about uh, creative workshopping and how do you fix something right. and make it better? Like how do you take um, something that's kind of messy. How do you clean mm-hmm. it up? And it's a huge exercise that we do in fiction. And I, there's a lot of edits I'd like to do in King's work mm-hmm. specifically for whatever reason. I don't know um, how many more alien themed stuff King <laughs> has out there. Cause I'm mm-hmm. not quite finished with my journey, but 
Um, yeah, it seems all the alien ones need some attention, need some editing. Um, yes. Tommy knockers under the dome. Mm-hmm. Pardon any uh, cryptic spoilers, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I just think that. What I've noticed is Mr. King doesn't really like to world build or give a lot of lore in, yeah. in some of his works. And he, this the story suffers because of that. And so uh, I think he needs to spend a little time in the stew pot and not go mm-hmm. so fast with some of these larger yep. concept books. So, <laughs> But uh, yeah, thank you for the great idea. I'm going to nurture oh, yeah. that one and I'll, I'm going to have some more editing episodes down the road. Nice. And I totally expect royalties to be paid out to me. So I'm <laughs> I'll invoice you. Um, Please send me a bill, Matt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of him and alien stuff, like, I I don't know where, uh, according to your list, you have not read Dreamcatcher, right? I have not. Okay. I want to, though. I'm intrigued. However, somebody said, I, I don't remember where I heard this from, but it, mm-hmm. it's a little harsh, but they said because this was a post-accident King book that it's a trash book, and so I'm intrigued to yeah. read it because of that. I think that might be a little harsh, but I also read that there's a thing called a shit weasel in it, and I'm like, <laughs> excuse me what excuse me what yep yeah it is (laughs) it is such a bonkers weird book but and and for tower junkies tiny and i have been conscripted to read and review it and watch the watch the movie because um brilliant person that i am i decided to put a poll earlier in the year saying like hey let's we're gonna do we're gonna review one of these movies and and books uh, just vote on it. And like, I had like in one of the polls, I had Dreamcatcher and Cell and, uh, Firestarter, which I was kind of bummed didn't win on that one. But, um, <laughs> but like they picked, uh, Needful Things and Dreamcatcher. And so eventually we're going to have to do Dreamcatcher. But I had listened to the audiobook, um, probably a year or two ago and uh, it was like soon after reading the Tommyknockers or surviving the Tommyknockers. And, <laughs> and what I find interesting is that these two books kind of parallel each other in some interesting ways. And I don't know, I, this isn't obviously isn't a spoiler for the book, but in terms of the writing of it, it's, it's kind of interesting because the Tommyknockers obviously like famously was his kind of last last book on cocaine and he got clean and so as a result it's just completely all over all over the place and crazy and it has to do with aliens and then fast forward to 1999 he has his accident he is bedridden in recovery and he is just completely out of it on painkillers and so he has this idea for this book, Dreamcatcher, which involves aliens. And he, from what I've read, he actually wrote it out in freehand because he couldn't sit up and type at his computer or anything. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. Yeah. So it's interesting because we have two books about aliens written by King uh, at different levels of um uh influence of, of external substances and uh, they're both pretty pretty terrible books um to, interesting yeah, okay yeah so it's it's 
Yeah, I'm at some point this year. Um, we're going to we're going to kind of dive into Dreamcatcher, but I'm I'm not really looking forward to it. Um, hopefully, I'll I'll find I'll something. do it with you. Safety nice. numbers. Nice. I'll do it with you. Awesome. So, yeah, just let me know when you start it. I'll get my copy. We'll start yes. hacking through. We'll start macheteing through the jungle <laughs> together. That sounds like a plan. I'm gonna hold you to that. Because um, yeah, yeah, please do. I've noticed mm-hmm. that um, some of the harder king works or king works mm-hmm. that I'm like not really feeling. For example, uh, misery. Yep. I am um, objectively terrified of some of King's more uh, frightening works. I'm mm-hmm. just. There are a lot for my little heart to get through, mm-hmm. but um, if I collaborate with someone or someone's in like a group yes. setting, I can never resist a group project and I will always pull my weight. Nice. So uh, I will suffer through <laughs> even if I'm in m- miserable, uh, even though <laughs> I'm I'm dying inside. I will sure. <laughs> I will pull the plow. To nice. <laughs> to for the group so please hold me to it and i'll make sure i get it done yeah absolutely definitely uh we're gonna definitely have to organize that and uh yeah so so you have done these kind of group things on uh, with other podcasters as well um i haven't listened to their show uh jess and kendra uh oh yeah yeah Yeah, they're super cute yeah what is what is their podcast called again palaver palaver unraveling weird lit there we go and so they yeah. are really fun gals and they do Lovecraft. They do all kinds of weird stuff. And nice. uh, they have a really fun segment on their mm-hmm. show called Damn It, Steven, which is like <laughs> very funny about all some of the moments. And we all have them mm-hmm. where, you know, he's really not very kind to uh, an obese person in his yes. work or like, you know, how he's not very nice. So there's yeah. a couple damn it, Stephen moments <laughs> that they share. Um, nice. But yeah, so they have helped me a lot stay on mm-hmm. track. And thanks to them, I was able to make it through Rose Matter, which is a very mm-hmm. difficult text to get through. Right. It is one that is a little harder on the ladies. It's like the book should be called Rose Matter, parentheses, misogyny overload. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little bit uh, challenging. However, very rewarding. Really nice. glad I read it. And then I was scared to death, mm-hmm. um, but I made it through misery and nice. so glad I did. That is a masterful, um, absolute uh, genius novel that is, uh, it belongs on the top spot where where it's frequently mentioned as like one of the most terrifying novels. Oh, All absolutely. of that is true, but its brilliance is unparalleled. Like, I get it. I get why it's so celebrated. However, yes. uh, I'd rather <laughs> die than read it again. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is very much a rough one. It's it's oh, but it is so I, I talked about it on your show, but with misery, like I, I find myself reading it uh every maybe maybe year or two uh while i work and that has its own subconscious kind of thing to it itself but also i think it's because i just find so much stuff in like the subtext of that like so many different reads of it like i mean annie wilkes is cocaine that's how he he wrote it and everything but i also view it as creativity and and uh struggling with art and everything and it's just so so layered and amazing it's uh, I, I love it so much 
I hope that one day I'll be brave enough to give it a thorough second <laughs> reading, but like, I'm scared, Beth. Like, yeah. I can't. Um, <laughs> what, what she does mm-hmm. to Paul, I just need to heal from it. I need to heal a little more and then yeah. I can look at it objectively again and hopefully see what you see. Cause mm-hmm. I did love, love, love the Scheherazade metaphor. Mm-hmm. I love the, um, the, the sort of, shrinking into yourself until you're this little mouse of a speck of who you originally were in terms of an artist and hating what you're famous for but yet needing it to survive it's it's incredible oh Um, yeah there's so much there but i'm too scared so (laughs) (laughs) i totally totally get it um so in in terms of the stuff that you've read and everything, since you're kind of, well, I mean, uh, this is this is maybe misleading because this is really just because of your podcast. But with you going through the underrated works of Stephen King specifically, um, is there are there any that just kind of either um, let's see how how to phrase this? Is there anything that you found that you weren't looking forward to that just completely just shattered your world? <laughs> um, in in this kind of whole endeavor of going through underrated king king works, I love this question. Um, just to clarify, shattered my world in a good way oh, or yes. in a okay uh, in in a good way, yeah. So I when I read uh, different seasons. Mm-hmm. I was not prepared for the <laughs> my heart exploding uh, during um, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Um, so different seasons was one I had no idea would be a roller coaster of emotions, mm-hmm. and um, when I was reading Rita Hayworth, and of course I'd seen the film mm-hmm. um, of Shawshank Redemption, but reading it is incredibly rich and very different and Mm -hmm. um i had a full-on like burst into tears like a hard cathartic cry with that one um yeah like just and it was one of those where i was just so grateful to king's writing Mm -hmm. because he um i think in the episode where i talk about rita hayworth i i had like a synesthesia moment Mm -hmm. where i i closed my eyes and i was reading the text the weight of it like this is such a heavy subject these guys in prison it's dark it's bleak but Mm -hmm. yet there's so much beauty and i felt like i was carrying a brick of gold when i was reading that story and i was like this is so powerful my heart can't (laughs) take it so there's a lot of tears Mm -hmm. and then the roller coaster uh really gets gnarly (laughs) when you transition to apt pupil or summer of corruption yes um you go from like this highest high to like this bleak desolate depraved disgusting like so disturbing and i was like oh my god this is rough yes so apt pupil is definitely a short story i never want to read again and i will only ever do it if academically forced like if i Mm. have to for class but um, that one was like, and then we transition to the body, and then mm-hmm. the roller coaster goes up again, and you're yep. just in heaven with these young boys and these friends and this preciousness and mm-hmm. youth, and uh, yeah, and then we go down again <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> with the breathing. Yes, um, <laughs> and so. Uh, I think uh, in in different seasons that was one. It was definitely oh. 
it's extraordinary in its polarization, but mm-hmm. also in these incredibly larger than life narrative experiences, um, mostly with the body and Reed Hayworth, like, and then the, the films are like life changing. Um, and then you have these like two giant, like potholes, manholes (laughs) that you just fall into the earth when you read them. Yep. Um, Different seasons just had me wrecked in good ways. Um, yes. Uh, but yeah, the, let me see. I know that there are more. Of course, I'm a huge fan of Duma Key. Huge mm-hmm. fan. Huge fan of Joyland. Um, one that I will actually has been really hard. I think I have some reader trauma, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping to talk with more people about this one. <laughs> Perhaps you can help, Matt H., but mm-hmm. uh, Bag of Bones. Bag of Bones has ah. been one that a lot of people recommended and mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of the novel Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier and that's mm-hmm. what King used as inspiration for Bag of Bones. Oh, interesting. So, right? So I was like, oh my yeah. God, this is going to be the best novel ever mm-hmm. and um, it has scarred me very deeply. Oh, like, wow. Uh, yeah, just sort of like what happens in that mm-hmm. novel or the reasons why this ghost has haunted the dark score lake like when you kind of when the mystery is revealed Mm -hmm. it was like a little too much and so i'm kind of putting myself back together from back of bones (laughs) sure Um, so uh yeah those have just those have been the most sort of recent ones that come to mind um that have wrecked me and then the one that i everybody loves it and Mm -hmm. i don't know if I do because it's too much mm-hmm. is The Long Walk, which is a Richard Bachman. Yeah. Uh, I what are your thoughts on that one, Matt? Well, I haven't read... I Honestly, I have not read any of his Bachman books, which is a huge, huge blind spot for me, and uh, I'm bringing great sh- shame to my constant reader status. But, um, <laughs> but it's something that in my head, I'm like, okay, well, when we do... When we do like Richard Bachman, we have to do all of the Richard Bachman books and everything because I'm just crazy with planning the podcast and everything. So I have heard such insanely good things about The Long Walk and how crazy it is that I, yeah. I've got to I've got to <laughs> check it out. <laughs> yeah, I would like to have a chat with you about it after. Nice. Um, but ultimately, um, being somebody who kind of grew up studying prose and mm-hmm. uh, especially in the last few years for graduate school and, and teaching my students this, the short stories are really what gives wind beneath my wings um, yes. regarding King's work. So pretty much... Uh, when I read a Stephen King short story collection or a novella collection, those are where my bread and butter is. That's where my heart is because that's where nice. we really see his mastery because he mm-hmm. has uh, so little time and so little yep. pages he's allotted. And so it's like you're really seeing craftsmanship and genius in mm-hmm. those, uh, such as the two stories we're going to discuss today. Yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> so uh, those are some of my favorites. So I always nerd out extra hard on mm-hmm. the novella collections <laughs> and the short story collections. Those are the ones where I see King's power the most. Yes, I 100% agree. I have been going through the short story collections kind of at my leisure um, over the last couple of years. And I do this thing on Twitter where I do like these little 
like these little Twitter threads were all uh, put uh, just my brief thoughts, like immediately after reading or listening to a short story. And then I'll be obnoxious and add like a little gif that has like very tangential relation to the story. <laughs> I do love um, those. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> but, pretty spot yeah. on. They're oh, actually, um, they're pretty great. It's, it's insane how much time I spend just sitting there looking for gifts that, uh, that would be appropriate. <laughs> um, so thank you. But it's something that I like his short fiction is just so good and spoiler for the kind of uh, Patreon thing that I teased early in this episode, but that's going to be kind of the uh, the driving force of this insane project I have for next year, but that's next year. Um, but yeah, his, his, his short fiction is just so great because he is so, he's so talented at creating character and, um, to an extent, like world building in, in a confined space. Like he, I think that he kind of thrives in the short form, uh, format specifically because like there's, not enough time or room to really go full hog into this backstory and everything. So he can just establish something and then let it run through the course of the story. And it's, it, I mean, it works so well across so many different stories. It's, it's really, really incredible. I, um, I couldn't agree more. And his yeah. technique is just so incredible to behold because he mm-hmm. gives you a whole life, a whole world in such a few pages. Yes. Um, especially with character. And what he does mm-hmm. so well is give us um, typically a senior citizen and mm-hmm. then they're able to flash back or yes. he's able to give us a whole town, a whole mm-hmm. life, a marriage, children, death, uh the cycle in and and you you you're just wrecked and you care so deeply and it's been 15 pages and you're like how did this happen yes (laughs) it's so uh it's it's so beautiful um and and before we get to the stories i'm I'm, we're gonna we're gonna get to lt's theory of pets first but before we do that there is uh, have you come across i know you haven't read night shift but have you come across uh (laughs) uh maximum overdrive um (laughs) um i laugh because the only thing i know about it is like various clips i see of like some semi truck with like a goblin face yep and i'm like what is going on so yeah i i haven't i i'm confusing that with like is there a short story called Trucks or that, something? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, so Maximum Overdrive is not Trucks or it is it, Trucks? It is. It's it's kind of interesting because Trucks is a short story from Night Shift. And then King in 1986 decided to direct Maximum Overdrive, which was based on or adapt, he adapted from Trucks. And then uh, the movie did so poorly and was such a <laughs> such a train wreck that he uh, I, I think the anecdote is that he whenever anyone asks him uh, why he's never directed anything else, he's uh, since he did Maximum Overdrive and he said he'll say, well, did you see Maximum Overdrive? <laughs> <laughs> um, but also he was like 
as he as I think he puts it, he says that he was coked out of his mind throughout it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and it's 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 pretty rough. Um but then interestingly enough, in I think ninety-eight or ninety-nine, someone else readapted it for a TV movie that I don't think is very good, but I, I have to assume is better than Maximum Overdrive. Um but what's interesting about it is the story is another example of King really thriving in the short story format because the adaptations really lean into the fact that it's about uh, trucks that become sentient and want to kill humans. <laughs> That's the plot of the of the story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's. Sort it's of- We've got Transformers. It's not that hard of a sell. (laughs) Good. We got the Decepticons. (laughs) I'm on board. Right. And it's something that, like, the premise alone really, really lends itself to that B movie, crazy, silly, uh, coked out movie kind of adaptation. But when reading the story, and I'm not going to give anything away, and I hope that this isn't uh, like a spoiler in and of itself or anything, but the technique he uses with writing it, it's, it reads like he had this incre he had this insane, crazy idea and then wanted to, and again, I, this is total, just, uh, uh, completely unfounded. I don't like, this is just me. I have nothing to corroborate this, but it reads like he had this insane idea and wanted to challenge himself to make it as, uh, maybe not as believable as he could throughout the run of it, but like to kind of plug in any plot holes that you can think of um, throughout it. So like he addresses so many different things throughout it that I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't even have thought of that as, (laughs) as something. And I don't know if I'm doing it justice, but it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting short story that I kind of think deserves better than the B movie treatment that it's gotten twice now. I well said. I will definitely keep it on my radar because I am all about exploring uh, through the junk, uh, perceived mm-hmm. junk, junk in quotes, I should right. say, because <laughs> one man's trash is another man's treasure, yes. uh, always. And so <laughs> there's always good stuff, and there's even good stuff in Tommyknockers. I just yeah. you know wish wish we could fix it. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I will I will keep that in mind, and I'm nice. glad you said that because mm-hmm. I think that there is nothing but negative. Um, associations with it that yeah. it would probably hinder me from seeking it out. But now I yeah. will with more gusto. Nice. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to uh, hear your thoughts on it. Um, yeah. So shall we get into the short stories that you picked for this episode? <gasps> Lead the way, good sir. Yes. yes. Awesome. Okay. So I, I think we're going to go chronologically from the original publication. So, um, and I don't think that really even needed to be addressed here. But anyway, <laughs> first up is LT's theory of pets. And uh, just as as uh, a background for the listener, LT's, L, wow, LT's theory of pets is... Uh, a short story in uh, Everything's Eventual that was originally published in 1997 in a limited edition collection called Six Stories. And Kim, I have a question for you about LT's theory of pets and Everything's Eventual as a whole. Have Did you listen to the audiobook or did you just read it conventionally? 
I did both. Because nice. uh, that is my that's my big thing mm-hmm. that I encourage all readers to do. By all means, audiobooks on the go. Love them. Always plugged in with one. But when I read King, in order to fully activate my brain the way I like, mm-hmm. I have a physical copy of the text and I'm a little bit of a hardback snob. So I nice. have the hardcover. Have my hardcover. I take off the dust cover so I don't mess it up. I do and the then- same thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't oh, want to yeah. get any schmutz on it. Mm-hmm. So, and then I have my headphones and I'll play the audiobook and I will read along because it is such a powerful reading experience. It's really yes. immersive and it helps me remember and retain more of the story. So, I, mm-hmm. with Everything's Eventual, did both nice. and love this collection. Love it, love it, love it. It's, it is such a strong, like, pretty much every short story collection is is very strong like i have not come across um one of his collections where i felt like oh this is this is low on my list of king books because there's always something that just really grabs me in them even if it's just one or two stories which is never the case it's most of them (laughs) but um but yeah so with this story in particular um in the audiobook, it it has the the live reading, right? It it does, I yes. believe. Yes, and I I am just so like uh, tickled by it <laughs> because I have I have so much respect for Stephen King as like he has this like innate ability to be down to earth and very personable, and like he introduces that live reading of it where um i don't know if you remember but he he's like going on stage it's it's at a live reading of it at a uh at royal festival hall in london in 2001 and he he starts it off by saying just like super casual stuff like oh i'm really glad that i'm here uh able to read my short story uh to you guys in a room full of people who are definitely gonna die someday and um He's so charming, like effortlessly charming charming and witty and funny. So good. And then he goes on to say, uh, and before I do this, I just want to ask you guys one question. I I want you guys to think of one question while while I'm reading this. Did I close the shower curtain or leave it open? (laughs) (laughs) Because if it's open, you should maybe get out of there. One of my favorite little, this is kind of ties in really mm-hmm. quick, but this sure. is in the Bachman books when you get there. Mm-hmm. He does a wonderful little intro to the Bachman books. Nice. And this is early in his career when somebody asked him, like, aren't you going to get upset that you're just <laughs> going to be typecast as a horror novelist? And he's like, I don't care what they call me as long as the check doesn't bounce. <laughs> and like, I just love that. Like, he just doesn't care but he oh, yeah. he cares about the readers and mm-hmm. the fans and he's just charming and kind and wants to oh, give yeah. people a fun experience a memorable experience and he just does that at the end he'll just like give you a little scare and yeah. it's just it's precious oh absolutely that that's a really great way to put it he and and with LT's theory of pets this is a story that um, I, we'll, we'll probably, I, usually we do non-spoiler and spoiler, but I don't know. We'll kind of see where it takes us here, but, um, but I'll do my very best. Okay. But, uh, it, like it takes us down a path. Like it is, it is a very, it's, it's kind of a silly story or it's, it's a story that is kind of playing up this, um, 
well, it's an overview of a pretty kind of turbulent marriage and in, in the waning days of a, of a turbulent marriage. And it leads up to like this whole theory about pets and all that. And kind of the impetus of it is that one person in the marriage uh, gifted a, a, a pet to another one, but, to, to their partner, but the partner's pet latched onto them and vice versa. And like, oh, that's great. And then it just hits you with this just Ugh. brutal punch at the end that's just Curveball, like, yeah. yes, that like in any in the hands of any other writer, I would have been like, okay, okay, this is like, okay, he needed to hit the, the horror mark there. But with King, it's like, this is, this is just incredible to me. <laughs> um, so yeah, so what did you think of LT's theory of pets? Oh my gosh, I love the hell out of this thing. And let me kind of give you a few bullet points as to why. Mm -hmm. Firstly, it gets a post-it, which whenever a King story, a short story is so good, it gets a little post-it note in there so I can go back to it and read it again. That's like my little favorite. And so this one got a post-it because, as you mentioned, this story is very lighthearted in tone. Mm -hmm. And it's very like charming and jaunty because we're talking about a dog and a cat and Mm -hmm. some shenanigans and um it's pretty light what's also really cool about lt's theory of pets is this narrator that we have Mm -hmm. is a friend quoting lt yes so it's like some random person who we don't know who works Mm -hmm. with lt at the meat packing plant so these are like Mm -hmm. blue collar guys not very wealthy and he's saying my friend LT and that's Mm -hmm. who is our narrator and so it's kind of like is this unreliable I don't know but (laughs) it's kind of charming and I'm gonna go with it um so it is it's talking about like this this guy is this guy named LT his wife left him Mm -hmm. but it was because you know he didn't like her dog and she didn't like his cat and it seems really jaunty and simple and then, like you said, the tone goes off a freaking cliff. Yes. And we're just like, what the hell? <laughs> um, there's a sharp, cur- sharp curve in the road. Mm-hmm. And the reader, like, it's it kind of makes you plummet a little bit because you weren't yeah. expecting to feel sort of shock and terror and, mm-hmm. like, it's macabre, it's very um, sinister, mm-hmm. and it's mysterious. That's the thing is yeah. there's no there's no um, resolution right. or sort of uh, any sort of final note. It's like, mm. yeah, and uh, and that's uh, and that's that. And you're like, what? Yep. Um, so Ugh. yeah, this is such a masterful little tale mm-hmm. in narration, the way that he chooses his narrator and how it's like hearsay, like it's mm-hmm. like a hearsay story. Um, and LT just kind of seems like a, a, a dim bulb, like, sure. oh, you know, yeah. didn't do enough to keep his wife happy. And mm-hmm. he's got a, a cranky cat who I must share her name. The cat's name is Lucy, but the Mm -hmm. wife nicknames it Screw Lucy, which is hysterical (laughs) and so cheeky. Mm. Um, But yeah, so (laughs) then uh, we have, you know, it's jaunty, it's fun. And and then all of a sudden, all and it really is all of a sudden, you're like, 
whoa, um, it starts to take a turn a little bit where all of a sudden LT is not really a dim bulb, but a broken hearted, shattered guy yes. who can't face reality of what mm-hmm. may have potentially become of his wife. And yes. um, that's all I'll say there, but mm-hmm. it's like, I have never read that I can think of a short tale from King that started off a certain type of way Mm -hmm. and I was bouncing along uh, the happy little grass field and then you plummet off a cliff and that's exactly what this narrative experience feels like. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And it kind of speaks to me in in the way that I I kind of have this this theory that I I stumbled through um, (laughs) when I was on your show but about how how much importance King puts on just storytelling in general, like storytelling in in universe, in the characters, and in the stories that he writes. So my kind of read of LT's theory of pets that I don't know, maybe it's something, maybe there's something in there that I'm not uh, that maybe I don't know, maybe I'm off base, but it kind of seems like it is about like how how this person who is shielding themselves from this this incredible heartache and uncertainty and and pain and everything uh how they are spinning that into this very uh this very fun tale that he that he tells he has a reputation for telling it and he tells it so well to his coworkers and everything that when they have him uh, recite it at a dinner party or at a at a little like a little dinner that they're having. It's like, it's, it's his thing. And just knowing that it is a complete facade for the brokenness of this man is just so, uh, like you said, it just, it catapults you off a cliff. It's just, it is such a, I don't know. It's just, it's such, it's such a just beautiful characterization in a very morbid and and depressing kind of way. Absolutely. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Perfectly said yeah. because it's like, oh, this poor guy, LT. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he's trying to play it off as lighthearted. And apparently mm-hmm. all of his friends, at least our narrator, who's his friend, thinks that he's just really sunny about it. Like, yeah. oh, sometimes, you know, wife's leave, but this is different. This is very yeah. different. And yep. The more he tells the story, the more he has to face reality mm-hmm. and go home alone to Lucy the cat. And then yeah. what's really creepy and like mm-hmm. ugh, is like the narrator, our only sort of guide through this strange little tale, mm-hmm. has the facts of like what the police found and like yes. has these really jarring facts for the reader. And we're yep. like, like, like you can't even breathe yeah. because you're like... Oh my God, if that, and then King handles it with such a delicate touch where he's like, or maybe this, or maybe that, or maybe none of it at all. And you're like, "Ah, it's like, why why are you playing with me so much? Yeah. So much. But this one is totally masterful. And I highly encourage anybody out there to give it a chance because This thing is a stroke of genius. Just looking at tone, looking at narrative decision, arrangement, looking at the way he, like you said, handles a kind of sweet, silly, 
uh, story. Um, the plot is just it, the, the way he handles it at first is lighthearted. Mm hmm. And then he stabs you in the heart at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and you're like, what? Uh, I was, I didn't sign up for that. Right? I, I was not expecting <laughs> that. I was enjoying the funny shenanigans of a dog mm -hmm. and a cat and a cranky housewife. That's what I signed up for. Yeah. This is, uh, uh, oh my goodness. No. Yep. This was not May on. May I speak to the manager, please? <laughs> exactly. I did not ask for this. Yep. Um, so masterful, so impressive. Very much so. And again, I highly, highly recommend uh, everyone check out the live reading that he does in the audiobook because, I mean, what struck me about that is the way that King just commands the audience and like especially through there are a couple of parts in the short story where <laughs> where as he's reading it in in the in the audiobook he has to stop because everyone's cracking up in the audience and it's just <laughs> it's so great it's it's so great i just i highly recommend that with especially with king as a narrator um in audiobook form uh, is a little a little shaky i think he has kind of a reputation for not being that great i i like it because i like his voice and everything but there is something kind of missing like a performance that's missing in in a lot of the audiobooks that he narrates but um but i mean it's also just it's just really cool to have stephen king read you a story <laughs> i know i'm with you there i'm yeah. 50 50 i'm so with you where like it is really great to have mm -hmm. him you know, uh, guiding us through this tale. But I also think I'm really spoiled because they get the yeah. best of the best in terms of actors to read. Yes. And they do phenomenal jobs with his mm -hmm. work. And so I'm kind of like, I wish you were somebody else who could give me like 12 voices because yep. I want the 12 voices. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I'm right there with you. I love uh, it. But at the same time, I'm a little brat about it and kind of wish yeah. there was more. Honestly, just just wait until you get to the wind through the keyhole in the Dark Tower saga. Um, okay. Because he narrates that, and I love the guy to death, and I would never question his. I would never question him or anything, but I, he 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 pronounces Roland's last name incorrectly um, is the best way i can say it uh, oh no yeah he pronounces it roland roland deschain and it is so it is so it it, it is so kind of off-putting and i'm like oh my yeah God. i'm like i know you spent decades writing this story but i mean everyone says deschain <laughs> like it's not it's it's not deschain it's it's deschain um, oh dear, Mr. So, yeah. King. Yep. That is that is the move of un uncultured swine, of yes. which you are not. Yep. So. <laughs> and it, what's even more weird about that is the fact that he, like, uh, when he, whenever he writes a Dark Tower book, like when he sat down to write the last three, and when he wrote Wind Through the Keyhole, he would surround himself with the audiobooks and that's how he got back into the world and i'm just like how like i don't how is there a disconnection there <laughs> like i really don't get it 
Oh, that's a head scratcher. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the heads up on that one because <laughs> right. I, I think I might do a traditional brick and mortar read because I, I don't know <laughs> if I'll be able to handle that. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't blame you there. I would not blame you there. Um, uh, so yeah, so in terms of everything's eventual, um, I don't have the list of all the stories in that collection. And obviously we're going to be talking about another one in the collection here shortly, but where would you rank LT's theory of pets kind of in, well, I mean, in, in your mind, in terms of Stephen King short fiction as a whole and in the collection of everything's eventual. Oh, gotcha. So with Everything's Eventual, I think my favorite story in this collection and one that is very high on my all-time favorites list (laughs) is The Man in the Black Suit. Yes. Um, Oh, yeah. That thing is extraordinary from Mm -hmm. start to finish. It is so hauntingly good and wonderful uh my other top inside this collection because it scared me to death like even talking (laughs) about it like i feel i hear my voice catch because it scares me so bad yep and that is 1408 like oh my god yes Um, that is like <laughs> I I run out of words because the part mm-hmm. oh my god Matt that stupid phone it scares me so bad like I am not okay um but yeah I absolutely love everything about Mike Enslin and 1408 mm-hmm. and the Dolphin yeah. Hotel and like oh my god like it's masterful it's terrifying it's creepy it's confusing um riding the bullet we've chatted Mm -hmm. about previously that one starts white fire hot Mm -hmm. love it love it love it and then it fizzles for me so that one's lower um that is one that i don't feel would crack the top my top like 10 my top Mm -hmm. five um only because the ending left me a little unsatisfying sure a little unsatisfied but it is an enjoyable read, especially the first part. If you like gothic literature, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, writing the bullet is for you. Oh yeah. Um, the uh, the, the autopsy room four is kind mm-hmm. of fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not one of my favorites, but it's fun mm-hmm. and charming. It has a cheeky wrap up. Um, lunch at the luncheon at the Gotham Cafe. <laughs> 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 I'm laughing, and I'm not even like. Yeah, let's just say I'm laughing. Yeah. Um, it's it's over the top. It's mm-hmm. bombastic. It's yep. ridiculous. I always recommend that to anybody who's in the service industry. Oh, if yes. you are, yes, <laughs> if you are in the service industry, ladies and gentlemen, please read Luncheon at the Gotham, Gotham Cafe. It yes. is for you. It is for you. <laughs> um, and then I really, really did enjoy how King. I don't know if you've noticed this map, but he's mm-hmm. like always 10 years ahead of anything cool um and so i noticed that a lot with the death of jack hamilton because king is playing with fantasy history Mm -hmm. uh much like tarantino did in his films and yeah like this this whole notion of fantasy history king Mm -hmm. is taking uh john dillinger who's like famous outlaw gangster and sort of giving him this fantastical treatment of fantasy history of Mm -hmm. jack hamilton who's one of his buddies uh he kind of wrote what if history was written this way and i thought that was so badass so i really liked i liked that he's playing with fantasy history a little bit um same and yep. then there's uh, that 
that feeling you can only say what it is in French that is mm-hmm. trippy. Yes. If you yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool because basically King is taking the notion of déjà vu and putting it into words, mm-hmm. which just like melts my brain just saying that sentence. Yeah. Um, but it's very cool, very trippy. If you guys kind of, you know, um, if in your extracurriculars you take anything that relaxes you, whether legal or illegal, right. um, this this um, this book is or this story is. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. I really enjoyed it. I didn't know why yeah. I enjoyed it. That one I actually um, really liked having read out loud. That was oh, was yeah. trippy for my brain a little bit. So yep. that one was pretty cool. Yeah, that that yeah, that is such a head trip. It's it's yeah, and and he has he has this running kind of common thread through a lot of his short stories that a lot of them deal with kind of uh, wayward travelers. Um, and I find that really compelling because like like uh, in some of his other collections, he has obviously Children of the Corn and he has, um, you know, they you know, they have a hell of a band or or whatever that is. Um, and then there there are several others where it's um, where it's just travelers that are just kind of waylaid in this out of the like out in the boonies kind of like uh, like un untouched land of of a town that's either possessed or haunted or has different things uh rainy season is another one but it's just like it is it is so interesting because like i said he is so adept at creating this vision or this this overview of kind of middle america and and kind of working class america and infusing it with so much horror and and uh fantastical elements that it's just it's Anytime he does that, I'm just like, I kind of want to collect all of these together and just like do an episode diving into like these wayward travelers, uh, middle America kind of stories, because there's so many of them. Absolutely. Oh my, I yeah. couldn't agree with you more. Before I before I forget, because I have <laughs> the memory of a goldfish these days, um, before I forget, so I, if, I don't know if you've read um, The Bazaar of Bad Dreams. I have not, but, but yeah. Okay, so before you dive into that delicious mm-hmm. collection, that one mm-hmm. is super kick-ass, there is a story that I loved in there so, so much. It's like shot to the top because I've yet to finish all of King's short stories, of course, mm-hmm. but this one, when I read it, I was like, oh my God, I want to make a film. Nice. If I could make, if I could have a dollar baby, if I could mm-hmm. do a Stephen King film, it would be for this one. And the title of the story, is Cookie Jar, which okay. is weird. Sure. And it was featured, yeah, it was featured in the paperback release of okay. Bizarre Bad Dreams, um, but it's in the hardcover, the American hardcover as well. I want nice. you to read it and I would like to hear your thoughts and we could talk about it. And then someday we're going to make a film and it's going to be this one. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, because uh, this one is so visual and so cool and very rich story, uh, not very long, mm-hmm. but that one cookie jar has shot to my top like definitely in the top five um i don't really know why so i would like to get a second opinion from another well-rounded constant reader like Mm. yourself to kind of give me your thoughts and like see what you think because nice i don't know this thing is awesome (laughs) uh so but i really really enjoy everything's eventual i Mm -hmm. i like it quite a bit the only one i have a little bit of a sticky issue with of Mm -hmm. course is little sisters of Aluria. right um but 
but that's only because I just don't know what's going on. But right. maybe, <laughs> maybe in time, maybe in time sure. I will. But when I read it, I was like, dang, this is really long. This is a 50-page novella, <laughs> and I am lost, and I don't yep. know what these old crone women are. And um, I want to love it. I want yeah. to, but I'm lost. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. So those are... That's that's a tricky tricky one, and I only just recently read that for the first time. Uh, being such a huge uh, Dark Tower fan, I'm I was just like, well, I'm gonna read this when I get to this collection. And so when I got to everything, everything's eventual, I finally read Little Sisters of Illyria, and like my like just my my immediate thought was oh it's it's mid-world misery um like roland is <laughs> sick and being uh tended to by creatures that are not maybe having his best interests at heart um but it's i mean it's 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 good uh i don't think there's really much in terms of tying into the greater saga or anything but i do really wish that king would write like more short fiction set in the Dark Tower universe. I think that that would be really cool. I am all about it. I just mm-hmm. need to make sure that I'm, you know, uh, up to snuff. Right. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, Midworld Misery, I think that's so accurate. That actually nice. helps me quite a bit. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, that actually works. But, nice. yeah, this is this one's an awesome collection. And yeah. I, I'm so glad that you are doing more short story talk because mm-hmm. um, I think they get overlooked quite a bit for the novels. And, oh, totally. Uh, this, is where, this is where we get a lot of gold, a lot of good stuff. Absolutely. And it's interesting to think about how many, how many of his short stories have been mined for adaptations whether obviously dollar babies which is such a cool program and everything that he does um but also just like feature film adaptations that like i mean i I, there are several that i um i don't know my relationship to stephen king adaptations is a little uh a little rocky just because i kind of feel like that's where a lot of people get their misgivings about king being just a horror writer because like at least in some of the older adaptations it's like oh this is a scary story i'm going to take away all the subtext and just focus on the scary stuff and make it a movie (laughs) and uh i see that a little bit in some of the uh movies that are adapted from short stories yeah I agree. I always yeah. feel like directors and screenplay writers, they just ramp it up to level 11. Yeah. Whereas in the story, it was like a four and there was mm-hmm. all this other beautiful stuff going on. Yeah. But they're just like, oh, Stephen King, let's go for it. Let's go <laughs> right. whole hog with the terror. And you're like, please don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's not needed. He's already the king of everything. Like, yeah. just you don't need to. Uh, just stop. Yep. Yep. Um, so, so that's LT's theory of pets. Um, I'm so long winded. So oh, no, thank no, you, it's, dear Matt. It's great. Tangential and long winded. <laughs> yes. So perfect for podcasting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's my bread and butter. So you're in very good company. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, and I've got to say, I forgot to mention this when talking about your TK edit episode, but. I like to paint you a picture. I was at work at my desk doing my work and everything with my earbuds in 
And there was a point in it where, <laughs> where you said, uh, you, you compared, uh, some of the, like, like how you would adapt it to, um, to Lost. <laughs> oh no (laughs) i thought it was i forgot it was hilarious because i'm sitting there then you're like and you know um i don't remember exactly what you said but um but you you said taking something like lost which i hate that show (laughs) (laughs) and i was just like i like i like i just cracked up because it was just so uh i don't know it, it was it was really fun <laughs> it was very vehement yeah mm-hmm. it was really funny cuz like literally the very next episode i have the wonderful matt h on ah, yes. telling me that lost <laughs> is his favorite show and i was like a gulp um uh so to i do hate it matt i will um tell you why no Um, judgment yeah yeah yeah. so uh we'll definitely have to have a much bigger deep dive because i really want to know all your thoughts the only reason i hate it as much as i do is it's mostly just the writer decisions at the very end yeah um i don't know if you've heard about this and this will be super quick little tangent but Mm -hmm. The, the writers of the show were interviewed by Entertainment Weekly shortly after the show wrapped, mm-hmm. and they were being asked, like, hey, you left a lot of questions open to the viewers. Like, you really did leave a lot of holes for people spiral off into insanity thinking mm-hmm. about them. And the writers said to the journalists, we were kind of just hoping that people would forget about those. And I was like broken inside. Mm -hmm. I was shattered because I was kind of like, how dare you do that? (laughs) Like, What's wrong with you? Like, I feel that. And that's just like my everything I've been taught in terms of um, storytelling and crafting fiction Mm -hmm. and especially like fiction that is so beloved by viewers. I just felt it was really irresponsible. Like you have these people that have like started fan forums and fan Mm -hmm. fiction and like who have devoted their lives to your show and you just kind of manipulated them at the end. Um, and so that's how it, it read at least. Mm -hmm. However, you know, it's contextually I would maybe give it the benefit of the doubt, but mm. I was still I'm still pretty mad about that because <laughs> I felt like the precious viewers who lifted the show to its high heights mm-hmm. didn't get the payout that um, the writers could have delivered to them. And so I think that's what makes me dislike the show. However, yeah. <laughs> so you'll still be my friend mm-hmm. at the end of this. Um, <laughs> um the first uh, couple seasons, I want to say first and second season, mm-hmm. pretty incredible. Pretty oh, incredible yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, you did hear my secret. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did not mean for you to hear that. No, but, it's fine. It's uh, fine. <laughs> I, I, I am honest. I will uh, explain myself. And hopefully uh, I uh, um, am not kicked out. And the locks changed uh, when, I, <laughs> when I leave. <laughs> Definitely not the case. I it's it's lost as such an interesting kind of thing. And it's it's something that I like I understand that I understand like those those criticisms, the the hatred toward it. But at the same time, like I, I feel like this may just be me just being an apologist for it. But like, I feel like I wasn't watching it the same way a lot of people were. 
Um, because like toward the end, it was like everyone on the internet was talking about how like, oh, there are so many unanswered questions. What about the polar bear? And what about all of this other stuff? And I'm just like, I just want to see where the characters end up. Like what, what happens with the characters? It's like, that's all I want to know. (laughs) And where it ends up, not going to spoil it or anything. Like, I mean, I don't think a series finale of a TV show has uh, pulled so much emotion out of me while watching it. Um, So I have to just give it that credit. Um, Yeah, I I love it so much. I'm so glad. And the ending was very touching. It was very touching. And I, too, was moved by it, especially Mm -hmm. like... All of their character journeys, and there's a lot of togetherness Mm. at the end without revealing anything. And so uh, it did its job if you were moved by it. It did its job. So I'm very – and if you're a fan, then – then sh- let that light shine right. because that's awesome. <laughs> I just, uh, I think I did love it, but something at the end kind of ripped it out of my <laughs> chest I a little totally bit. I totally get that. Um, <laughs> and I think it's just, it's just because I actually write, uh, I actually mm-hmm. like, this was something that it's like, this doesn't feel ethically right in my heart so it just didn't sit well however i think i applaud you for just suspending the naysay and just letting your heart feel it and letting Mm -hmm. the art be art and that's the best thing you could do is just close out the haters Mm -hmm. and just say you know what this was incredibly moving to me Mm -hmm. and it's a subjective experience anyway the end Thank you for that. And yes, I, in theory, I do, uh, I do kind of just, uh, block out the haters, but I mean, I'm very active on Reddit and Twitter, just banging <laughs> the drum for Lost. Not really. Awesome. Yeah, not, yeah. not really, but I, I do get like, okay, not protective, but I'm just like, this is, I don't know. But I will say that in the last couple of years, I have been very, uh, very, uh, shelf, uh, shellfish, um, selfishly, um, kind of, um, secretly glad that Game of Thrones has kind of usurped Lost as like terrible finale, uh, writing. Um, yep. so I'm, I'm just glad that, that Lost isn't, uh, getting beaten around in the, in pop culture as much thanks to Game of Thrones and those, uh, those pesky uh, uh, D.B. and Weiss uh, writers. <laughs> totally. And yeah. this is kind of where I get my inspiration for the edit episodes because yes. I take a look at these very unsatisfying, you know, little conclusions or parts in the story that just veered off the wrong course. And I, yep. this is where I kind of put that academic hat on. This is what also helps me feel less angry like whenever Mm -hmm. I do encounter an unsatisfying ending I just put on that editing hat and it's like okay what would I do to fix it and so uh yeah I've got some ideas about Lost I (laughs) I have some ideas about Game of Thrones as well it actually (laughs) helps me go to sleep at night it's a very helpful exercise (laughs) for anybody who's really mad rather Mm -hmm. than scouring the forums and trying to find more angry people like yourself sometimes um if you sit down and you make some bullet points on what you would change where it went wrong what you would add what you subtract it's it's pretty helpful 
Yes. But yes, I support yeah. your lost fandom. Oh, I really do. Thank you. And and yeah, yes. And please forgive me that I spoke <laughs> oh, no, negatively. No, no, no. <laughs> that no. I threw stones. I'm sorry. No <laughs> forgiveness, no apology necessary. That is that okay. is your experience and I would never fault you for that. Um but I will say that in terms of uh mentally editing uh properties to fit your liking, um speaking as a Dark Tower fan, <laughs> Um, after the movie was released, uh, I totally get what you mean. Like, I totally, I'm very familiar with that mindset. Um, so yeah. It helps. Yep. So, uh, shall we move on to All That You Love Will Be Carried Away? Oh, that's such a gorgeous title. Yes. And this story... Oh my God. Okay. So overview, all that you love will be carried away is, uh, obviously in everything's eventual. It was originally published January 29th, 20 or 2001, uh, in the New Yorker magazine. And it tells the story of a traveling salesman who is, he collects, um, uh, different like uh, bathroom stall graffiti uh, on the road and is also contemplating the end of his life. <laughs> um, and it is, uh, it is such, such a beautiful, beautiful short story. Um, so, so yeah. So out of all of the short stories, Kim, why did you, why did you choose this one to, to discuss on tower junkies? Oh my goodness. Well, uh, I'm completely echoing that sentiment of yours. <laughs> this is so beautiful. This yeah. is so beautiful, dear listeners. This is hauntingly there. This is yes. such a strange, it's one of the second or third stories in the Everything's Eventual collection. And everything about this reads like when I was reading it, I reread it um, recently for the show. Mm-hmm. And I was, as I was making my way through, I was like, if my grad school friends could read this and the author's (laughs) name be a mystery, they would be fully erect for this (laughs) amazing story. Like, this story reads like Raymond Carver, Cormac McCarthy, John Updike, like... It reads like literary prose. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taking Middle America, these rest stops, these really sort of random, silly, somewhat you know, crass, pornographic little snippets of of the English language, and he is collecting them in this little notebook, which King actually did in real life, which is so incredible. I love that so much. <laughs> me too me too, and he just is treasuring this these slices of life in mm-hmm. these oh, these disgusting road stop abandoned places and he's finding treasure through language um and it's it's a quiet story though mm-hmm. the narration is a lot of description and it's zooming in it's almost like a magnifying lens of description where the hotel phone and the bed cover, the mm-hmm. nightstand, the lamp, all of this is in hyper focus. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's slow, but beautiful and thought provoking and meditative. And yet you've got this main character, Alfie Zimmer, who's mm-hmm. middle aged, unhappily married, it sounds like. He is a father and it is modern day. Yeah. But he is a salesman to it sounds like he's it's a very antiquated work cuz i mm-hmm. i've never heard of the kind of sales work that he does it's like very 1950 very like mad 
Men, yeah, like Mad Men or something that you would see on Mad Men in terms mm-hmm. of what this guy is selling door to door. It sounds very th- boring and mm-hmm. thankless and just empty. And uh, yeah, he is contemplating suicide. Yeah. And yet, there's if you've ever seen the film American Beauty in yeah, uh, it was in, yeah, in 1999 that mm-hmm. was directed by Sam Mendes and yep. written by Alan Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like that in terms of um, one of the characters, his name is Ricky Fitz, and he's been mm-hmm. on and off medicine for depression. And mm-hmm. it sounds like our main character, Alfie, is in the same boat because King makes reference to the bottle of pills he no longer takes anymore. And yeah. Yeah, and so there's there's that. So looking at the fact that this guy's been struggling with mental health for a while, just struggling to keep going day to day, mm-hmm. and yet there is profound meaning and beauty in these silly, gross little mm-hmm. odd phrases that he finds in little places in America. And it is a mysterious story. I like you if you're not reading it carefully, you'll mm-hmm. miss it because yeah. it's sandwiched between these like powerhouse <laughs> fright fests inside of of everything's eventual. Mm-hmm. But I am so glad this story is on your list because holy crap. Yes. This is a 10 out of 10. It's a knockout of like understated gorgeousness. It- one hundred percent, and that is so so beautifully said. It it's something that it really struck me because I, I mentioned on on your podcast, and I have mentioned ad nauseum <laughs> throughout all of my podcasts. I'm on medicine for antidepressants, and like that is like I've 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 never gotten to like that point. Thank thankfully, but it's something that I struggle with when like the pills don't work or when I like I run out or or and I drag my feet getting them refilled i'll i'll sense the change in my outlook and everything and that's something that is so like one of my big things that i uh to to kind of help people understand like how that is from from my perspective is that um oh uh like there are a few different analogies i make but like it's it's basically like for for me like uh i'm on zoloft and basically what happens is imagine your brain is like this wooded area and there like when you have like a negative thought or or something that could turn your mood and and into a downturn and just like kill your day <laughs> um imagine that as a little fire sparking in the wooded area and then your brain normally will send firefighters in the form of uh, uh of um oh wow uh serotonin to put out the fire but with depression the firefighters are sleeping or aren't there aren't enough of them to go and fight the fire so then the fire spreads and all of the negativity and and just like uh, just pain and and like negative outlook just spreads until it feels like it's out of control and feels like you're not in control and like that's something that you know I and millions of people wrestle with and everything um but the but the pills work and everything so that's that's great the pills send the firefighters to the fire but in context of this story it's so fascinating to me the way that he is going through these these kind of these these little like thought exercises where he's he's 
he's basically thinking like, okay, well, yes, I'm definitely going to do this tonight. This is definitely going to be the last entry in my notebook. This is definitely going to be this. But throughout the story, like there are little like pieces here and there where it's like he it's it's like that fire in his mind is isn't as strong because it reminds him like, oh, I can't let that be the last one in the notebook. People will think I'm crazy or, oh, I need to remind my wife about this before I, you know, clock out forever. And it's just like these little like things that distract him from it. And it's just such an interesting like peering inside of just a of of a mind that is that is troubled and a threat to itself and no one else. And I, I just found that to be just incredibly just fascinating and resonant and just it's it's a, such a beautiful story. <laughs> um yeah. Agree. And like uh I'm definitely with you there. I too have the two horsemen I call them. Uh, uh, yes. uh anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Uh I was on medicine for four years mm-hmm. and have been managed to stay off for a couple years, but it's nice. very hard. Mm-hmm. Um I have my bad days, as you know, where mm-hmm. that forest fire is your reality and uh, yep. your brain is on fire and it's not fun. And yeah, I I think that you have to have been able to have felt the the snakes in your brain to appreciate yes. this story. You don't have to, of course, but I think mm-hmm. it resonates with those of us who have Um the snakes, the fire, all mm-hmm. the black dog, all the things. Yep. Um, you know, when you felt it, you really, really identify with this guy of yeah. uh, of holding on to the tiniest little thing, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're in the grips of depression. I remember when I had in the past where I could barely wake up. It was one of those like real, real dark stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the thing that would get me out of bed is, um, trying on a new lipstick or oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love, uh, I'm very girly. Uh, mm-hmm. the lady under the mask has a lot of makeup on <laughs> and, uh, I really love girly stuff. And so I would say, all right, you're going to get up and you're going to wash your face and you're going to you're going to see how that lipstick looks with that shirt. Nice. <laughs> like, it's very silly, but, and they would be wild colors. Mm-hmm. I spent way too much money on cosmetics that year, <laughs> but um, it helped me get out of bed. And nice. I, I see, I see that with this gentleman, Alfie Zimmer of mm-hmm. like, there's something magical about his traveling the country, which King has spoke about really loving long drives and mm-hmm. finding mad and you know these these random little moments that are often crass and silly and stupid mm-hmm. but sometimes oddly profound um all across these nowhere nothing towns in america and yeah it's it's like whatever he can hold on to to stay and that's what the heart of this story is and it, it's it's like a beautiful echo of a story almost. Um, it's very very special. So I'm so yes. glad that you're able to do what I see because mm-hmm. that feels pretty awesome. Oh, absolutely. And a uh, couple of couple of little uh, addendums to 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 my comments. I just want to say that I like I like medicine works for me, so it doesn't work for everyone. But also, uh, I would say that you did not spend too much money on cosmetics that year if it, <laughs> if it helped you and and that's it great did, right yeah. it really did it really did oh, yeah. so 
yeah so whatever uh whatever it is that yeah. that is helping and yeah i'm a huge proponent for mm. if if the medicine's helping by all yeah. means then keep it up um even though it's not a hundred percent all the time right. um yeah i and and thankfully we artists have each other so. yes yes and uh a a writer who is, has not stopped writing uh for us to oh. dive in to his work <laughs> yeah who has given us decades of gifts yes um, that oh, yeah. we get to uh enjoy and mm-hmm. have camaraderie and fellowship with so it, it truly Absolutely. is yeah I, there are never going to be enough thank yous mm-hmm. i'm sure i can't even imagine the people have been reading king for 40 plus years that blows oh, my yeah. mind yeah but you know i i have received so much of him and from him in 10 years so mm-hmm. i cannot there are not sufficient thank yous there's not sufficient gratitude that I could put into words to extend to this man for everything he's given to my life. So yeah, yeah I it feels so special. It's such a privilege to be a part of the constant reader community for sure. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree. And uh, and yeah, I don't want to take up too much of your time, by the way. <laughs> so we can kind of start wrapping it up if you want. Um, uh, only if you do. I'm having fun. Okay. Let's yeah. kick it into fourth year. No, we're, um, <laughs> this has been tremendous. This mm-hmm. has been so nice. Oh yeah, it's it's such a blast uh, chatting with you and everything. And uh, and yeah. Um, so kind of overall, th- we've already pretty much. All- talked to overall about uh all that you love will be carried away um and I, it's, yeah. I believe it's under 10 pages right Matt. it feels yeah. it's a short one it's really little it's pretty it's pretty um i almost said sweet which sort of but <laughs> it's pretty brief yeah um let me check because I'm, I'm very curious um it is a total of wikipedia does not list the amount of pages <laughs> um no but it's it's very brief um and again it's also one of those endings that i kind of feel like king has king has um a tendency to have some ambiguity in his endings and i think that in the short the short story format he really thrives in the ambiguity of it all um like these two short stories we talked about tonight those are those those endings end in ambiguity in such a, in, in a way that doesn't feel, it doesn't, it never really feels like he just got tired of writing and decided to just end it and just leave it all up to interpretation. It feels like he is leaving us something to think about. And it is, and it is such a gift as, as, uh, for us as readers and a gift that he possesses as a writer to be able to do that in such a short, just a short form and, uh, and just have so much content uh, packed within it. It's it's really amazing. How do you how do you feel about his kind of ambiguous endings when when they pop up? I really like them. I do. Uh, I know that not a lot of people do, especially because it's a little bit of a challenge because mm-hmm. King feeds us so well. Like we are fed yeah. very well with these novels that go on for hundreds of pages and even king has said like readers never want it to end uh, they just yeah. don't um but i feel like we are 
really adequately nourished the majority mm-hmm. of the time. And so when he pulls back and when he kind of allows that open ending and that ambiguity, I really like it. I feel like it's a chance for you yeah. to reflect on the journey a bit more. Uh, the Colorado Kid, which is a hard case crime title I totally love. Uh, there's a lot of ambiguity in that one, and it's nice. tremendous, but it was the reason that so many people disliked it. But I think mm-hmm. King was like 10 years ahead of the cool. So, God, um, so with awesome. that one, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was way ahead. He knew exactly mm-hmm. how cool it was going to be in a decade, but I actually really enjoy them. Uh, it, it, it just, I guess, um, it depends on the overall journey, but I think mm-hmm. the shorter it is, the more radical acceptance I have. The short, totally. the more brief the journey. Um, however, if it's like a long one and I've been reading it for four and a half weeks mm-hmm. and, and it's ambiguous, <laughs> um, I might feel a scotch different. Mm-hmm. Um, it just de- it depends uh, on. But uh, when my another constant reader friend of the mm-hmm. podcast named Liz R, she mm-hmm. uses that phrase radical acceptance when it comes nice. to King. Um, and I think I can approach Lost with more radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's definitely extremely um, it's it's a helpful way of of looking at the overall work when you mm-hmm. just say I'm not going to argue I'm just going to let this go and I'm going to accept it um, yep. I often find that when I do that I get a lot more out of it but uh, I'm totally. okay I'm okay with ambiguity I actually really enjoy it nice I, I'm the same way uh, yeah uh, well said and it was when when you said uh, when you've been plugging along at it for a few weeks and it's a long one uh, like I wanted to I like in my head I was like and it's called the Tommy knockers um, <laughs> right yeah. Oh. gosh yeah like that one I'm sorry uh, yeah. that's not gonna cut it Mr. King yeah. um, that is not Oof. acceptable Um <laughs> So, yeah, but yeah. like, for example, I felt like with some of the longer works, like if if it ended mm-hmm. ambiguously, we would have rioted. Oh, like there's oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way that would have worked. Like if yeah. The Shining ended ambiguously, mm-hmm. maybe. But it's like I feel like the longer the journey, the more you need a concrete, definitive closing of the story. Whereas yeah. if it's just these little wisps, like these quick bursts of story, mm-hmm. I think you're a little bit more inclined to just be like, all right, guy, I'm going to let you do you. I'm yeah. going to just keep on trucking. So, um, but yeah, I, I I do enjoy the mystery. And yeah. I love that the two stories we mentioned are mysterious endings. Yes. And even even though like... Deep down in our hearts, we've mm-hmm. kind of probably already gone to the negative, darker ending for mm-hmm. both of them. Yeah. The fact that King yeah. didn't say so, you know, <laughs> gives that little thin ribbon of light. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So anything's uh, possible. <laughs> pretty genius. Pretty genius. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and before we go though you did have questions before we were we started recording about amazon and the dark tower did you want to talk about that (gasps) of course yes so um (laughs) i i was just i'm a very late guest to this party but Mm -hmm. apparently they were making a show and then or they made 
first episode or they made the first season and then they said, JK, not <laughs> doing that anymore. And people were like Hulk smashing up the place um, yeah. in terms of message boards. And and there's like a petition to like mm-hmm. release the pilot. And so I feel like I don't know what's going on and I'd like to. So. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so, um, why, Sage, could you enlighten me on yes. what's happening? Yes. So let me let me start by just kind of giving you my perspective on it. First of all, like like I I respect the people petitioning to for them to release the pilot because basically what happened is they uh Amazon was on a tear. I think Jeff Bezos was just wanted to buy up as many fantasy properties as he could <laughs> to throw them at the wall and see what stuck. So like he spent like Amazon spent like billions just for the rights to the Lord of the Rings so that they can do their Lord of the Rings show. And they're coming out with the wheel of time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh dang. Dang. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Papa Bezos. Good grief. Yep. And, uh, and then they also bought the rights to the dark tower and they commissioned a pilot episode. And what from, so from my perspective, like I, I, like it is it is the oh I don't know if I'm getting the uh expression right expression right but uh twice twice bitten once shy oh, or something yeah. once bitten once bitten twice, twice shy. shy okay yes so as a dark tower fan <laughs> who has uh long wanted an adaptation to come out um, I have been bitten several times. <laughs> and, Bless your heart. Yes. Um, yeah. Like when I when I was first reading the Dark Tower series, it was like I had found out while reading it, and mind you, this is when Lost was in its final couple of seasons. I had learned that J.J. Abrams and Damon Lindelof and all of them with, involved with Lost had bought the rights to the Dark Tower series and they were going to do an adaptation and then they walked away from it because they're like, we, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. I, I don't want to mess this up. It's so important to me. I don't want to mess it up. So like that is just something that I was just like heartbroken over because I love their work with Lost and it's just it. Yeah. But anyway. So the movie came out and when when they made the movie, the intention or the idea was to make a movie and then have like like they I think this is kind of borrowed from when Ron Howard had the rights to it because he wanted to do like a trilogy of movies with uh, like a limited series in between each movie's release. So basically, like the the trilogy of movies would have been uh, the the main quest for the tower and everything. And then the limited series would explore Roland's backstory through like Wizard and Glass and like through the flashbacks and the gunslinger and all of that. And like that was ambitious. Um, and in my head, I'm like, it. you need more than three movies for that. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, yeah, my gosh, yeah. So when they got to get the Harry Potter treatment. Or yes, nothing. exactly. Exactly. So when Ron Howard's adaptation kind of fell through the cracks or, or what have you, Akiva Goldsman was he was he was like writing it with him and so he held on to the rights i guess and then he went on to write the movie um that we got 
which has me question his writing talent in general. <laughs> um, uh, but the idea was to kind of do like movie, TV show, movie, TV show, movie, TV show. So I remember that MRC, the studio that uh, distributed or produced the Dark Tower movie, had like had like gotten a green light from Universal to to do like a season of television and like it was a done deal and everything that they were going to do it. And then the movie came out and uh, it did not perform well at all. And they did not even have confidence to really promote it that much. So that all fell apart. But then uh, apparently the TV aspect of it was still had a little bit of life. And I guess Amazon was like, okay, let's do a pilot episode. Let's bring on Glenn Mazzara, who Glenn Mazzara is an incredible TV writer. He's an incredible writer. And he he wrote for one of my all-time favorite shows. I would probably put this like my number three favorite show is The the Shield on FX. Um, Ooh, that's yes. solid. That's a solid pick. Yes. Did you, did you watch The Shield? I saw a cup. I think I saw the first season. It okay. was a little gritty for it, me. Very, um, very gritty. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I watched Sons of Anarchy, which was like okay. 10 times more gritty. Um, yeah. But a uh, lot of good writing in The Shield. Oh, yeah. I uh, Small tangent, and I, I, I'm I sorry to keep throwing stuff at you, but I've got to say... This is all good. Yeah. the The Shield has... One of the greatest uh, of any television show that I've ever seen, greatest kind of overarching story from beginning to end. Like, if if Lost is a maligned um, and and uh, a much maligned and troublesome finale, The Shield is the antithesis of that. Like, it is. The finale alone is like one of the greatest hour and a halfs of television I've seen because it closes the story in such an amazing, amazing way. It's it's it is it is some of the best writing I've seen on television. Ooh, Um, I'm so glad to hear that. Now, really quick, Mm -hmm. is it okay? The Shield versus Breaking Bad, Matt? Go. (laughs) I that is that is really tough for me. It is super I, tough. Yes, and I I will say Breaking Bad. I mean Breaking Bad, like is is kind is of perfect. transcendent. I think the honestly. word I think the word yes. you were looking for is perfect. <laughs> yes, uh, like the only thing that I would say about uh, the end of Breaking Bad in terms of just ending a story is like the ending was great and, and it was fantastic, but like Ozymandias, that episode is just like it's oh, yeah. it's two episodes before the finale and it's like that's the that that's the end of the story the rest is denouement and and cleanup of the storyline but oh, this is like great pivotal yeah, thank you um so the shield though um i've i've got to say i've rewatched the shield more than i've rewatched breaking bad um okay so i think that the shield holds such a special place in my heart because it's it was kind of kind of underseen it was kind of a scruffy little cable show gritty as hell and everything but they got their full run and everything so i kind of i kind of lean toward that just because breaking bad had such a a pop culture moment um but in terms of storytelling through both of them i mean i would say I would be the I, I would give a diplomatic answer and say that they're neck and neck. 
Um, but my heart is with right the on. shield. Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. Uh, you definitely make me want to check it out again. So nice. thank you for that. Yes. I will uh, put that in the in the queue, good sir. Nice. And so, uh, so yeah. So anyway, so the 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 Dark Tower. <laughs> that this is quite a soap opera. My yes. goodness gracious! Talk what about, an ordeal! It's like this episode is like. Tower Junkies version of different seasons, just up and down, <laughs> like yes! all over the place. But, but like, oh my, I just feel bad for all the DT fans who had to go through this. My oh God. yes, it's insane. What a miserable experience. Yeah, miserable. Oh yeah. So basically, uh, th- that's where I was. So so they got Glenn Mazzara, who he was one of the writers for for the Shield, and he went in and he um he he devoured the Dark Tower series. He um. On on the KingCast podcast, he was a guest, and he basically outlined his entire vision for the series. This was after Amazon passed on it and everything, and it was dead and wasn't going to go anywhere. So, like, listening to that interview, I was just like, like in my in my in my soul, I was like, it is so painful that we're not getting this because it is so the right way to do it in a way that I wasn't expecting it. But also just the fact that someone, someone had, had like a vision for it. Someone had the right vision, even though we're not going to get it because it's gone. It's never going to happen. I'm just glad that someone could have gotten it. <laughs> so it's, it's a weird balancing act, but, but they, they shot the pilot. They gave it to Amazon. Amazon decided not to order it to series. So now the pilot is something that'll never be seen because it wasn't picked up. And uh, a lot of the diehard Dark Tower fans just want to see the pilot. Um, oh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. That wounds me so. Yes. yes. And it's, it's, it's painful. And like, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a shame. But, and, and what makes it even more like a little bit of a, a dagger in the side, even more so, is the fact that, like, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if the Dark Tower would have fallen in this in this uh, in this particular thing. But like six or seven years ago, Amazon had a pilot season kind of thing where on Amazon Prime they would have. I don't know if I don't know if it counted toward their decision making at all, but basically, like once a year or twice a year, they would release um, the pilot episodes of a bunch of shows that they were working on, like potentially picking up to series. So there would be like four or five pilot episodes. I know that there was a huh, oddly enough there was there was a show called Mad Dogs. I think that was part of that program, which Mad Dogs is actually was actually produced by Sean Ryan, who was the creator of The Shield. So kind of weird there. But anyway, mm. yeah. But And Mad Dogs was okay. But it, it it got picked up to series. It ran for one season. But before all of that, we they had the pilot season where they showed that, like, you could have access to the pilot episodes of the shows. And then, like, if you watch it, you could rate it and stuff. And then presumably that would factor into you know, if they were to order more episodes. But what's painful is that then years later, we get the Dark Tower pilot episode that's in that kind of category that Amazon ordered a pilot, that if they were still doing that, they would have put it up there just for people to watch. And now we're in the position where they don't do that anymore. So we're never going to see it. It's just like a little knife to the side. Oh, just that quote, never going to see it. That's heartbreaking. (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Terrible. Yep. 
Well, I hope yeah. that either like Bezos or Musk mm-hmm. or somebody just <laughs> gives somebody a bunch of money to do it because there's so many fans who are so happy. So yes. I hope here. that we we eventually get the proper Dark Tower rendering. Same, same here. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, it keeps me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> and this is quite grim, and I don't even want to speak of it in mm-hmm. case I tempt fate, but I yes. think the only way it might happen is if lose our king and that would be the only way i think it would be such a surge of fandom and news and all the things but i i retracted immediately because i don't (laughs) want to put it out into the universe so it's officially retracted but that's that's a a theory (laughs) potential theory yeah yeah hopefully hopefully the day never comes that we'll find out whether or not that's true. Um, but until then, yeah. until then, yeah, always we'll always have the podcast. Exactly, we have podcasts. We have, <laughs> we have uh, so you many know, the books, everything, um, everything. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I think that will just about do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. Kim, thank you so much for another just absolutely delightful chat, and uh, it, it's been such a such a pleasure couldn't agree more my friend i've had such a blast thank you for having me on thank you Mm -hmm. listeners for hopefully enjoying this wild zany brainy exploration (laughs) of all things shenanigans Um, but i had an absolute blast you are extraordinary you are such a delight thank you for being host with the most and having me on and i can't come back i i'm gonna invite myself and just awesome. come back absolutely <laughs> anytime imagine there is a freestanding door on a beach somewhere that oh my God. door is totally open for you at all times oh i'm totally coming in <laughs> nice and i'll bring some i'll bring a lobster roll awesome I'll bring some lobster <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so before we go, just tell people where they can find you online and where they can find your amazing, amazing Stephen King podcast, the un- the year of underrated Stephen King. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, you can locate me at underrated SK pod on Twitter and the Instagram. And then you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Google, all of the podcasts, little outlets there. Um, but if you are a constant reader that wants to talk shop with me, feel free to write into the show at underrated SK at Gmail. I love uh, chatting and typing thoughts to all of you on some of past episodes, novels. I love recommendations. I love to chat Stephen King TV. Um, yes, yeah, so I would love to hear from all of you. And uh, yeah, please check out the year of underrated Stephen King, where this fiction teacher is doing her very best to uh yeah make her way through the underrated works of king awesome and next up you have later i do i do i next next we're going to be doing later that's my farewell to summer book my pre-halloween pre-game there because that thing (laughs) that little ditty was spooky as hell let me tell you that was whoa oh yeah um super i loved it so that'll be coming up soon and then i would like to 
depending on how the next few months go, I got to make mm-hmm. it to the wastelands. Got to yes. do it. Um, I really would like to do a installment of the Green Mile as they nice. were released in the snippets, the Mm -hmm. sort of novella snippets. So I'd like to do a really nice, thorough examination of the Green Mile because I think that's a really masterful text. So we're going to head there. Nice. And then uh, hopefully by Thanksgiving, if all goes well, I would either like to crack open needful things or I'm going to do a little bit of Stephen King television talk and explore Mr. Mercedes season three. Oh, interesting. Okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy the series with Brandon Gleason mm-hmm. as Bill Hodges. So yeah. I, uh, I'm hoping that they did the Finders Keepers adaptation, which is season three. I'm excited to see what they did with that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what what usually happens, and I will totally go rogue and think <laughs> like I will absolutely. I'm like, oh yeah. So dear listeners, remember when I said I was going to do all these? Well, we're going to read from a Buick Eight now, okay? So, I, um, yeah, surprise. Yep. I think that that is kind of like the the curse of the Stephen King podcaster, and totally. Like, like I I respect those podcasters who who do it in chronological order like chat cemetery um like like when like i wish that i could do that but like i am someone who just has like these flights of fancy that i'm like okay i want to read this now and i for some for some reason tiny is still podcasting with me <laughs> because I feel you. yeah yep i mean shout out to deanna because i could oh, yeah. not not uh do a chronological no way because yeah. those those bachman years are bumpy let me tell oh, you yeah. like he's uh not my favorite person and i'm like <laughs> no i need to be able to hop skip right on out of here steve yep. i cannot so um yeah i yeah. i am definitely flights of fancy i'm right there with mm-hmm. you the if my mood is uh not as sunny as i'd like well then mm-hmm. i can't really go into a creepy one i gotta yeah. i gotta cherry pick for my own sanity right and then and then you'll get something like uh lt's theory of pets where it's like oh <laughs> this is very nice oh wait oh shit <laughs> jk oh god what the hell i hope everybody reads that me too definitely let us know what you think absolutely because that one's so cool oh yeah absolutely well uh once again kim thank you so much for both having me on your show and coming on to here and i can't wait to chat with you again and uh Obviously, to all the listeners, please go check out The Year of Underrated Stephen King. It is such a great, delightful, and insightful, if I can rhyme there, um, (laughs) podcast devoted to King and his underrated works. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So, thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you, dear sir. And thanks to all of you. And take care. Yep. You too. And uh, and yeah, so that's our episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, oh, I, every time every time I end an episode of Tower Junkies, I forget the way that we sign off. So uh, yes, so usually with Tiny, we do uh, we do a sign off thing, but I'll, I'll just say the whole thing. So it's not so I'm not putting you on the spot. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. That it's just like his, the places that he goes, not necessarily hell, but they, in some form or the other, his identity and life in those areas are, you know disappeared and taken away <laughs> um, either through his actions or through fate or Ka or whatever. Um, so maybe that's something. Maybe I talked myself into appreciating it. I don't know if that's a sycophantic urge of me to appreciate anything Stephen King does, but I don't, I don't think that's true. I've, I've, I, uh, I, I have a ranking of all the Stephen King books I've read and there are plenty that are at the bottom of that ranking. So I don't think it's a sycophantic thing. But anyway, Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official obsessive viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for obsessiveviewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OVAnthologyPod on Twitter. Finally, check out The Secular Perspective. Tiny side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash as good as it gets band. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!